0: okay let's just dive right in shall we this is horror movie number 19 for 31 days of halloween in the year 2021 today's movie is vampire in venice aka nosferatu in venice starring the one the only magnificent klaus kinski I have to tell you, while I was watching this film, one thought kept coming to my mind, and it was this. I know this sounds a little cliche, but it's this is what I want. I want Tommy Wiseau to remake Herzog's remake of Nosferatu. I, and I want him to direct and start it. So I want Tommy Wiseau directing and starring in his own version of Nosferatu based on whatever. <laughs> because I think that... Kinski is the spirit animal of Tommy Wiseau, and I realize that perhaps only, I, I think that they're, the fact that their kindred spirits would allow them to work in, in such simpatico, but look, we got a lot to dive into, so let's do it. So this one's from 1988. It's Italian, and it's what I like to think of as an Italian sequel, an Italian horror sequel. Itali- the the uh, Italian uh, cinema scene of throughout the decades, maybe scene's not the right way to say it, the Italian cinema throughout the decades had this habit, has this habit of, or had really in the, in the 70s and the 80s of, you know, sort of making sequels, unofficial sequels to other films, so that's how, you know, you get Troll, Troll Two, and then Troll Three, which doesn't even have a Troll in it. It's about a killer plant, and it's actually its actual title is Contamination .07. So you have that. Then you have the La Casa series, which is a continuation of The Evil Dead. Then you have the Zombie series, which is a continuation of Zombie, which is actually Zombie Two, a sequel to its to another sequel, Dawn of the Dead, which in turn is a sequel to Night of the Living Dead. So it really, I mean, they they, they go all out. Well, I, I didn't know this, but there is a movie that is a sequel technically to Herzog's Nosferatu the Vampire that he made in 1979 called Nosferatu in Venice, uh, which came out about 10 years later. Stars Kinski, I think his penultimate role, I believe. And what happened was, so initially, and it also has, it has Christopher Plummer, Donald Pleasance, uh, Barbara de Rossi, or Barbara de Rossi. And, you know, there's this Paris, and he travels to Venice, and he's on uh, the, the hot on the trail uh, of the last known appearance of Nasratu Kinski, who was last seen at Carnival in 1786, which sounds about right somewhere for the first Nasratu film. But that's where. The, the similarities. And the only thing that really connects this film to Herzog's film is Kinski's got his, his pointy sharp teeth and uh, it stars Kinski as a vampire, except he wears, oh, it's crazy, it's crazy. But, um, you know, there were a lot of changes to the script and, you know, uh, there were budget cuts and eventually we got what we got. Here are my notes about this film because I literally don't know what the plot is. They, like, wake him up. But he never dies, or he's undying, or nothing can really truly kill him. But, you know, I mean, this is what Italy does best, making unofficial sequels to stuff. And, you know, they have a whole history with doing, you know, westerns in a very particular kind of way. So, I I guess, according to this, Nosferatu's film actually takes place in Venice, not Germany. That's number one. Uh, And the thing is, Nosferatu, he can't die no matter what happens to him. Uh, which kind of explains the pathos in Herzog's version. We talked about this last time. You know that Herzog's able to bring great pathos to the Dracula Nosferatu character about wanting to end one's life and sort of like like existing through time in the mundanity of immortality, yada yada yada, X Y Z one two three. And in this, it's continued. He cannot die. But he's not the same exact kind of Nosferatu. They they <laughs> they gave him a blonde mullet. So he, even though he's supposed to be from like the 18th century or whatever, he has this weird blonde mullet. He's kind they're kind of trying to make him look like a babe as much as you can make Klaus Kinski look like a babe, I guess. Cuz you know, he's super old at this point, too. And uh, he's still got his his fangs, his Nosferatu fangs, which are great. The one of the best touches of the of the Herzog story, right? Um but it's just funny because it's like flowing blonde hair for a mullet. And um, there's this really cool shot where can con- confronts some clergy and he like, with a stare, he causes them to fall back through a window off of like a, a, you know, a couple stories up and they all get impaled on a spiked fence below. And then it happens again and it makes sense because, you know, Vlad the Impaler, right? I don't know if that was intentional or not, but that's what I sort of picked up on. And like I said, I love Kinski's mullet. It's just, it's terrific, man. It's terrific. And then, you know, eventually he's walking and he meets some people on a beach and maybe they're like, uh, Romas, Romas, you know, Romanians, as we discussed, we don't use that. The The other word is not, uh, a pejorative word, so we won't use it. You meet some Romas on the beach and they're trying to offer him a, a virgin. And, uh, cause apparently I guess the only way to kill, they determined the only way to kill nasratu is with the love of a consenting, innocent virgin. Um, because they know that he wants to die, but that he can't. And I might mention that Christopher Plummer, he's kind of like a modern-day Van Helsing in this film. And, you know, Donald pleasance he plays like this clergy member type guy, and they just really misuse him. It's a real shame they eventually they open this tomb and find this young girl inside. I don't know why. I don't know why anything happens in this movie. But what's interesting is there's this really shitty insert shot. Um, it's like VHS quality, and it, it seems like they probably took it from a VHS work print because they could not find the original negative. So I thought that was interesting. Kinski eventually shows up to the carnival, but because. Everybody's dressed, like, from his time era, he kind of fits in, which I thought was uh, sort of ironic. And then right after that, for no reason, I don't know why, you know, first Kinski's fondling a beautiful set of breasts on this beautiful woman. And then the very next moment, he's running through an alley in daylight, angrily kicking dog cages. He's just kicking them, and he's super pissed off. I don't know. Um... And Donald Pleasance again—he's just not being used, he criminally underused. Donald Pleasance—it's like, you know what it's like? It's like they couldn't decide if they wanted Christopher Plummer or Donald Pleas- Pleasance, Ple- Pleasance in the uh, Van Helsing type role, but they decided to keep Don in it anyway. They chose Christopher Plummer, but they, they neuter him. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't f- kick ass or you know—I don't know. Kind of a bummer for me. I, I wanted to see him do, do more, and again. Kinski, he just walks around in the sunlight. Doesn't bother him at all. At least in the first Nosferatu, sunlight bothers him. In this one, not so much. Uh, there is a great shot. Eventually, you know, there's this hunter guy that kind of takes over for Christopher Plummer, and he shoots Kinski in the chest with a shotgun, and we get this really grisly insert. Um, just, a, just gore, like, exploding outward. And then when they cut back, to like a wide shot, there's like it's like an optical matte hole, but it's like a hole punch, like a like a perfectly circular hole punch, and it's so fake. And then what happens is they run that same grizzly insert shot in reverse to show him regenerating, which I thought was awesome. I, I kind of like that. It's like the same shot. But in reverse, to show that he can regenerate. Like, what a great way to show regeneration without, you know, having CGI or whatever to, uh, you know, a really cheap, easy way to get extra mileage out of a special effect. Something I'm going to put in the piggy bank, because I thought that was good. Um And, you know, the guy shoots him with the shotgun. Kinski walks right up to him, lifts the dude up by the shotgun. But what I've noticed is, you know, it's trying to demonstrate that Kinski is really strong as Nosferatu. But I thought the dude himself was equally strong because he's holding the shotgun and being lifted up with his arm strength. I mean, that's that's not an easy thing to do. So they're both strong in that kind of way. And then he, like, breaks the shotgun. Kinski does, pretty badass. Um, The film sort of winds down on an interesting note you know another virgin girl she tries to jump off a building but Kinski saves her by flying although it's not really a shot of flying it's just like this uh, transparency shot of him kind of like hovering I don't know I can't explain it and he takes her away to some like interesting castle type place and you um, you know he's wishing for her to end his suffering and she's willing to do it, and it's this whole back and forth thing about being in love, and I'm going to give myself over to you, and if I do, then you'll die, or I don't know. And then it, and then we see this virgin girl, this beautiful virgin girl, uh, go completely naked, of course, uh, along with a fully clothed Klaus Kinski with a blonde mullet, erotically humping this naked virgin. Just ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Um, at the end, the hunter, you know, that hunter guy, he fills a bunch of shotgun shells with holy water. And I'm just kind of like, what the hell is he doing? Why does he just get a super soaker? All he need is a water gun. Just use a water gun. It's way, you know, way more easy than soaking shotgun shells or pouring water into shotgun shells. You know, those waterproof shotgun shells. What happens when you ignite the gunpowder? It just makes no sense. Uh, but by the end, Kinski ends up playing the best joke on this hunter guy because he disguises himself as one of the girls and then gets the hunter to kiss him. And then Kinski turns to Kinski. He bites the dude's lower lip and rips off the lip, that silly Kinski. This was, uh, this was a tough watch. It was not, you know, I mean, there's some interesting scenes and Kinski's always interesting to watch. He's not as interesting as he was in the first Nosferatu, which is really well done for the most part. Um, this, this feels like, you know, uh, a knockoff Italian sequel. And, yeah, I don't know, I just, I I thought it, you know, I I wanted to be a completionist, and so I forced myself to watch this. Another thing of note, apparently, Kinski also directed this film, or he's credited as a co-director on this film, which kind of, like, boggles my mind. The reason why he had the mullet in the first place is because he refused to shave his head and wear fake fangs for the role. So we only see the fangs for a few shots, You know, uh, and this all started on the first day of filming. And, you know, the director, he stated later that Kinski would not listen to him when he called cut and found him the next day locked in his trailer um, with the director arguing. And then, you know, they they basically promised him that he would direct the film. So he's like kind of like he he, he's kind of directing the film. And then they have a dude who's a second unit director sort of like helping Kinski along. Really kind of crazy. Um, apparently, Kinski demanded to and did direct some scenes himself, which included scenes following him as Nasratu in, in, in Venice at dawn. So he said that uh, the, 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 the second unit guy, he said later that Kinski ended with about 10 hours of footage, which just consisted of Kinski walking around with the boom man on set. And yeah, I don't know, man. Kinski's kind of crazy. Uh, Oh my God. Could you imagine, man? Could you imagine? Um, Yeah, that's all we're going to say about that. There's more, but that's all we're going to say about that. I'm not going to go into it further. All right, I'll see you tomorrow for another review. Bye.